Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village, from St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project. I'm Simone White. Those of you who don't already know who I am, I'm Simone White. And um, I'm here every Wednesday night. I'm the program director here at The Project and also the Wednesday night coordinator. Um, Tonight, Michael Young and Kestern Sutherland are here. Um, and that's really exciting for me. Um, we are going to, normally we would have a break. Tonight we're going to read straight through, so I'll introduce both writers at once, and um, they will read straight through. Michael will read first, and then Keston will just follow him immediately. Um, let's see. The season has just begun at the project, um, we started the season with a, an enormous Eileen Miles launch a couple of weeks ago, um, which was really beautiful. I'd never seen so many people in the parish hall, like 525 people or something like that. Um, next week, we will continue with Maureen Owen and Karen Weiser, which is also going to be a great reading. On Friday the 30th, Janice Lowe and Pamela Sneed. On Monday the second, which is a Judah reading. Judah is here. Angel, is it Angel Nafis? I know her and I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Nafis? Nafis, okay. (laughs) And Bridget Talone will be here. Um, Also, I want to announce that um, I I think our master class is full. Two spots left in Juliana Spar's master class on the 26th of October. Um, if you're interested in signing up for that, jump on it super quick. And also, um, I'd like to announce just like right now today that Amiel Alcalé will be teaching a master class in December, um, which will be a really wonderful class about, um, about reading essential texts. So um, we'll announce all those things very shortly on the website. Um, Books for sale. Keston's books are not here, which is very sad. And they're like these incredibly beautiful selected poems, which um, if you talk to Nat, who's over there in the corner, he will make a special order for you um, from unnameable books. And they'll ship that to you free of charge if you order it tonight. So that's a special bonus. And uh, welcome, all of you. Hi, James. Um, So let's start. Um, Let's see. I want to say before I begin that I I conceived of having these two guys together in part because I found both of their work in the sort of first moment of encountering it like completely baffling in a a really beautiful way that sort of made me want to just... like I really didn't know how to read the work, and um, I know how to read a lot of work. <laughs> so I was I, that. That's a very that's an important thing to constantly encounter work that you wonder, like what do I what do I do with this? Like what are the tools that I need to make this work for me? And if it doesn't work for me, like what tools would I need to gather in order to? Um, kind of understand what the differences are. And so 
I'm really happy to have them together to see kind of how these things operate together. Michael Leong is the author of ESP and Cutting Time with a Knife, also for sale in the back. He's also published numerous chapbooks, most recently Lipo Meets Ulipo, and Fruits and Flowers and Animals in Season Lands Do Open. Um, welcome, Michael. So, time. I read recently that the work of a poet I know might be something like a, quote, way out of the impasse conceptualism appears to have backed itself into. I'm summarizing sloppily because this is a sloppy thing to say, that the work of a black woman writer provides a solution to some problem white people have. The thing I noticed most sharply when I started to think about Michael's work was a sensation of independence from a starting point that assumes that all known time is white time a joyful and grounded delight in being self-evident with respect to questions of historical literacy, which are questions of having existed, which are related to the conceptual and or experimental insofar as these are oriented towards staking a claim on the future. Translation, transliteration, slip. If you feel cautious or weird in the face of the procedural, one thing you can do is lean back or look to insert your thinking into the notch of sound, which is the joinery of our work. Dark addiction to the pretty sound. Quote, the dream of the poet is the air guitar of oxygen, end quote. I centered the dead face of the cube in the blue process of decay. Tactic. Scientific methods of literary imagination. Also, stratagem, that which recombines choice in the interest of securing the defeat of an enemy. That is the sway or tottering of factors in Michael's work. The work is deployed. There's a shoot for it. The materials are a vast archive of modernist achievement that's being laid claim to, and as he says, etherized to what end. The Olympian procedure has always struck me as somewhat harsh, if not violent, since violence is a word I reserve for attacks on the body. And the question is why? What is the oppositional surround? Keston Sutherland is the author of Neocosis, Hot White Andy, Stress Position, The Stats on Infinity, The Odes to TL61P, Jenkins, Moore, and Bird, and other poems. His poetical works, 1999 to 2015, was recently published by Enetharman. Is Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Okay. He's published many essays. Lots of them are Marx, which one of these days I'm going to get him to give me, and a book of critical theory and literary criticism called Stupefaction, which I'm really excited to read. When I read Hot White Andy, years after its 2007 publication in Chicago Review, I found it impossible, energizing, maddening, alluring, manic, it said, manic. It made me drool a little and feel unkempt, and I don't like to feel unkempt. Who's speaking? What difference does it make who's speaking? What difference does it make whether I know who is Andy and who is Akim Femua if, quote, Akim Femua is a fucking idiot? What is he doing in the poem? What is that African's function? I think Keston Sutherland is an enemy of poetry, but if he's an enemy of poetry, what is this if not meditation, if not the hardcore eroticism of verse written in the service of love of feeling? 
the contract between one's feeling and another's? Why would rant break then into the compendium of verse? Hate slash ode, ode to hate, to the economy of the make work of hate. Quote, love realistically abandoned by Andrew is not shit. And where, where is the location of the speaker of the poem? Perhaps the scrotum? Or where is the location of thinking? On a map or in the body? His thinking is writing merely another embouchure of accumulation. How can it not be this? Merely, that is, that kind of mess. Thank you, Simone. Wow, what, what lovely, thoughtful intros. Um, thank you all for coming. It's, it's really wonderful to be here. How's the volume? Can, can everyone hear? Okay, great. Um, it's an honor to be on the bill with, with Keston. I'm going to read um, from two works in progress. I'm going to begin with uh, translation. Uh, with Ignacio Infante, a, a complete scholar, we've been co-translating the, the great Chilean poet, Vicente Huidobro. Um, we're, I'm going to read from uh, a work that he published in the 30s, um, both in Spanish but also in French, called Skyquake. I'm going to read uh, two short excerpts from the beginning. Um, I guess uh, one important thing to know about Skyquake is that uh, Widobro um, derived some inspiration from, from the legend of Tristan and Isolt. So uh, you'll hear uh, a, a recurring address to uh, a figure named Isolde. Who has counted all of their dead? What if all the windows opened, and if all the lamps started singing, and if the cemetery burst into flames? For every bird in the sky, there will be a hunter on earth. Trumpets will sound, and the flags will become Bengali lights. Faith died, as did all the birds of prey that gnawed at your heart. Migratory statues are flying by. On the immense plain, the torment of the idols can be heard amid the chanting trees. Flowers are fleeing in terror. The doors open wide to an unknown music, and the years of the mage depart while he's sitting down in agony, his hands pressed to his chest. How many things have died inside us? How much death do we carry within us? Why do we cling to our dead? Why do we insist on bringing them back? They prevent us from seeing the birth of an idea. We are afraid of the new light emerging, which we are not used to yet, as we are not used to our dead, inert, and without any dangerous surprise. You have to leave the dead for the living. Isolde, bury all of your dead. Think, remember, forget. May your memory forget its memories. May your oblivion remember what it has forgotten. Make sure not to die before your death. How to lend a bit of grandeur to this present beast that only bends its weary knees at these late hours when the moon comes flying and places itself in the foreground. And yet, we live waiting for a chance, for the formation of a sidereal sign in that atoning beyond where even the sound of our bells does not reach. 
So we are waiting for that big chance that the North Pole tips like a hat in greeting, that the continent we have long awaited emerges while we sit here behind the horizon's bars, that the murderer dashes by, firing random rounds at his pursuers, that it is known why that girl was born and not the boy promised by dreams and proclaimed so many times before, that we see that yawning cadaver stretching underground, that we see the glorious ghost among the trees of heaven, that suddenly all the rivers stop at the shout of a command, that the heavens change places, that the seas pile up into a great pyramid taller than all Babel's dreamt of by ambition, that a desperate wind blows and extinguishes the stars, that a luminous finger types a word in the night sky, that the house over there collapses. For this we live, trust me, for this we live and not for anything else. For this we have a voice, and for this we have our voices net. And for this we have this anguish coursing in our veins, and a wounded animal galloping in our chest. For this flesh reddens, martyred by language, and thought swells, fed by subterranean streams. For this the howl of fright inherited from the most tragic grandfather. Behead the monster that roars at the doorsteps of dream, and that let no one forbid anything. Someone speaks, and a, and a poppy springs up at the pinnacle of the voice before the opium of the future gaze can shine out. Peace on earth to the nocturnal sailor. The silent explorers raise their heads, and the adventure takes off its golden suit. That is the meaning of twilight. Perhaps the twilight trusts us, and then you would have understood the signs of the night. You would have, you would have understood the inventions of silence, the gaze of the night, the threshold of the abyss, the pilgrimage of the mountains, the night's crossing. Isolde, Isolde, I follow my destiny. Where have you hidden the oasis you had repeatedly promised me? The light grew tired of moving around. Tell me, where does this ladder take me, the one that springs from your eyes and gets lost in the air? Don't you know that my destiny is the voyage? Don't you understand the explorer's vanity and the ghost of adventure? It is a matter of blood and bone within the field of a special magnet. It is the irrevocable destiny of a fabulous meteor. It is not a matter of love in the flesh. It is a matter of life, a matter of a roving spirit, of a nomadic bird. You are wasting time. Look, look, there's a fire on the moon. Dressed in white, Isolde came like a cloud. Then the moon began to fall, enveloped in flames. A reflection of fire danced on the beach. The specters rose one by one with every coming wave. All of you hiding there, your time has come to tremble before death's veracity. The setting sun draws a halo on the head of the final castaway who floats adrift, no longer hearing the songs of the shore. Wolves are pacing with glowing eyes between the branches of the night, huddled together and crying out for no good reason. 
That man, bigger than the others, opens his mouth in the middle of the garden and begins swallowing fireflies for hours upon end. The trees are twisted because of a strange pain, and a bunch of meteors plummeting from the sky are forming spirals in our atmosphere as if they were rocks passing through water. A thick smoke envelops everything. Now the only thing shining is the wolf's eyes and the man full of fireflies. All else is in a penumbral light. The mountain opens its passageways and the blind man enters with extended arms. There's a tree, a heavy-set tree, that's writhing in dusk's crepuscular fire. Excuse me. Up above, God is rocking a newborn planet. Halos fall to the earth. One after the other, hundreds of halos fall to the earth, some on top of certain heads. And nothing else? An island of palm trees springs up from the sea for the newlyweds strolling side by side. Someday they will find the head that one of them had lost, motionless in the same exact place where they lost it. When? Where? Which one of them? There's the anguish, Isolde, behind the mountain. The anguish is over there. The migrant forests will not reach as far. There's a lone sandal in the middle of the earth. The march of passing evenings can be felt at the bottom of the sea. In this moment when everything shimmers with intoxication. There's a hat over there, head high. There's a cane sticking up in the ground within hand's reach. And there's nothing else, because none of you can see the ghost smiling at the dog at this very moment. None of you knows why the curtains behind the bed were moving, nor why Isolta's cheeks blushed like two curtains being drawn, and why her legs trembled like two curtains open wide. So next I'm going to read a, a long poem in progress. It's, it's very new material, so um, it's rough on the edges, hopefully not, not too rough, or maybe at least rough in, in the right places. Um, it's uh, essentially uh, a work of appropriation. It's a collage of two source texts. The first uh, is Roland Barthes' Empire of Signs, uh, and the second is Doubled Flowering, um, from the notebooks of Araki Yasusada. So they're, both texts are, are, are beautiful, um, but both uh, trade in a certain Orientalism. So um, this, is my, uh, this is my way to disorient them. It's, this is called Disorientations. To exchange images of the dead, a woman holds up a tiny mirror. Her face is a copy of a face the onset of loss happening in a novel reflection. In the interlacing distance from body to book, the book and the reading of the book, the inserted gloss in which thinking thinks, there is no analogous entry for the undated. Zen calls writing the uncertainty of circulation, a text made more visual than painting. Before the signifiers of what could not be found retreat behind the loose leaf, she signs the text, Araki Yasusada, to illustrate a kind of image by not looking, a mountain perhaps on the hidden face of meaning. Our best judgment 
is always ideological. It is born only to withdraw into the spiral of a lacerated name. But in the interests of the long, undated Renga unknown to us, we must tally down the layered encounters, the conscripted collaborators from that invented fissure between Orient and Occident. That is where Iraqi is gazing out through the vast centuries of imperial radiation. That is where he photographed the atomic flower arrangements of the void and contrasted historically, philosophically, and culturally insertions of desirable darkness with an occultation of light. In 1980, Araki died instantly in the blast of our narcissism, flashes of which are still sporadically cooking the thread of our capitalist acculturation. In the poet's way, he perished from a sickness found only in discourse itself, yet in a carbon-dated mutation of after, the fantasy of his death survived. A disturbance in time arranged his diary entries virtually, not chronologically, so that there are in his 14 experimental notebooks eight new pages from today. It is doubtless I afforded the author a certain situation of writing. But if he invented me, then I, like a seism of violence in a Zen university, infallibly forced in his avant-garde or biographical emptiness, a metaphysics of delay. His labor, both formal and thematic, has never been discovered in my slender manuscripts. Although we have heard the thousand copies of history in sequence gardens outside the city, for the idea of earlier generally occurs later, exemption from meaning is irreplaceable. I cannot give him a symbolic system of linguistic elan any more than I can point Voltaire to technological Satori. Hence, with two parallel gestures in the air, I orient him to the circle of his own infant obscurity. By means of a certain fissure in the postal system, the possibility of a real revolution in a fantasy country has led us to vacillate. Here, unknown figures with faces detached from family propriety might appertain. It is the encounter of matter in material, the interplay of desirable difference in the density of diversity. Married to fact or fate, a subject quotes its object as its object's novelistic disclosure. Though as essence is the opposite of otherwise, the necessary impetus to deliberately shock by the, by, the by the manipulation of faraway realities has to isolate the major compromise of reality itself without ever ceasing. Someday we will write our extenuated drafts, our languages lovingly interleaved with linguistics assignments, fictive correspondence from Jack Spicer to the Revue Asiatique, and well-known translations of world literature that may occasionally reveal a reserve of politically symbolic recuperations or an unheard of division of clouds. The syntaxes, comet-like, startled the earth, haloed the untranslatable foothills with vegetable light, and in the distance, the mad, 
irreducible discourse of the surrounding mountains. Squatting on the ground, I was defined in the indifference of night. Glimmerings of an alien culture had appeared on our daughter tongue. We know that the ridiculous Big Bang of philosophy severed difference from difference, but an unsuspected dream trailed interestingly behind in the aftermath, a vision of a head gazing, ecstatic-like, that can turn the chief concepts of our Occidental fathers into stone, its Chinese eyes and other starred features of subversion suggest and undo us, cause certain Greek letters to appear in the superficial references of our manuscripts. Constrained by a formal topology, we displace our own subject's upturned person in impossibilities, permitting us to perceive the youngest formulations of modern experience. An enormous new chapter that under no circumstances could be presented in any American or Aristotelian novel. As if to understand the powerful shock of divine and inconceivable reality in a friend's turnip patch. To discover a whole realm in which everything totters and opens up when sullenly walking. How beneficial to us it would be to descend into the buried articulations of late December, a fictive notion of nature muffling the vulgarity of meaning, speech without language, utterance without tongue. Under active but unknown signs, principal communication was altogether refracted, the dark hair of history pulled up by the root. In the dream, we were transported on the back of the wolf god, her dense, transparent coat hemorrhaging speech. She said the great beings from above can only return by, by descending the torso of our fragmented languages and lodging at the very bottom limits of our cultural phenomena. She said the beings would be sly and in a more radical way without attribute, that we must drive them out and clench their virgin emptiness with the awkward emptiness of the page. She said they had enclosed the transitive sphere of subjectivity in hundreds of enclitics in a complexity of compassionate delays. Thus, our alibi was precisely outside the functional structure of verbs to be. Faced with the final level of meditation, we intended to animate certain repetitions that were archaeological, yet without origin, to ride on aberrant dreams which blossomed after the assigned reality of 1945. It was, it was before ideology held our story in immaculate parentheses, comfortably diluting the foreign in the referential without knowing the differences of the many fictive flowers diffracted through the landscape. Then the palm readings required of us to destroy the image in the empty envelope, to translate the knowledge of Diana into the grammar of tears, our voice somehow less human in our animal gullet, we, the living suffixes, the absurd survivors of once upon a time. Dear abolished subtext, since the night of the full moon, 
There has been an auditory film rising and falling about the city school, a great evangelical babble, old recordings of a hostile interrogation, and a murmuring radiation of ink. With no respite, there has been a serious bombing of normality. Nonetheless, there was no way all the boxes of special forms and affidavits were simultaneously real and in our imagination. Or were they? As you well know, sometimes is a time of its own. So last night, gazing at the night sky stars flowering in italics, we masked our eyes with a hint of hysteria, half-sleep, after all, being the most delicious criticism of reason. We muttered to you a faint but extended veneration, heavily quoting the Opacity Sutra and the doubled sutra of the damaged interstice. Is it not the voice which is sown into the soul of the body? Is not the body the exchange of regional gestures, an instant of respiration opening in time? Such are the codes of the autumn empire, illegible and distanced in their approximate location. Such is the sickness of anonymous vertigo, of drinking the emptiness of winter without words. Delivered entirely from practical communication, we suffered an otherworldly worldliness, a sweeping sorrow of alienations. It was that discontinuous hour in which the other's death is necessarily consummated, in which snow, curiously falling, touches the blotched curl of Yasusada's smile. Then a pain, pure in its origins, welled up around the half-walls of our vanity. Without explaining, a foreigner in mid-1960s clothing placed strips of handwritten stationery and a few lotus leaves about the middle of our home, a sort of quilt of protection against the original and unknown dampness that is still acclimating at the heart of the real. A mass of ears copied from French pornographic drawings populated the sky, receiving but without appropriately trying to grasp the full-time emphasis of Yasusada's language. Written over, written over the dawn in immense particle characters, the message dissolved in miles of undated light. If they were to be spoken, the names of the departed would be swallowed by some illegible narrative, mailed but never sent yearned for, but extinguished, like traces of the closest paper cut on the most western regions of your tongue. Please write to me when you can, you the savored one, or whoever happens to be speaking from beyond the ruins of our intelligence. I have waited all week. The gray chessboard of the sky recomposed it may be read, you told me, according to the long rhythm of the bodies becoming skeletal. In the margin of the mind, seeing was diminished or denied, something quietly left awake in dark water. With chopsticks, you sit down in front of me, a flake of sound pregnant with praxis. In the background remains another background, a somewhat windowed tableau. You said, indeed, space is not, as you thought, a series of numerous containers. By then, I was covering the formal chambers of my poem along with its mournful frame. 
Even so, you said to me, in the first half of your original stanza, there is a definition of memorial destined to be undone. We were eating the liver from the poet's embalmed body and holding up his unnaturally large heart when you said the towering assemblage, the volatile conglomerate that is identity is also a stick in the mud by which to tell the time. To name its destination is a contradiction of substance. It is the call out at random into symbolic space through a mouthful of rusty coins. After the operation, you elaborated the idea that whiteness is not actually a color, but a kind of reified surface on which an entire palette of sociality is translated, but not fully defined. Once cut, knowledge stamped with what it itself cannot conceive sinks only to touch the delicate partition of the living. Only then can it rise, soaked, and thus preserved in the sultry bouillon of language, in the recuperated soup in which one chanced to find an aqueous tear spilt as an exquisite condiment of grief. It is the instrumental hour of aeration before a detachable hand emerges from the primary text and gestures for you to immediately pinch yourself to discover in your body a tiny kernel of antinomic transformation. But like spring flowers wrapped in a January newspaper, the structures plucked from your systematics of consequence no longer provided proper alimentation for the literary labor that remains. A slight orange and brown stain was shellacked on the workbench, and the direction of longing, which was introduced before through a free alternation, was fixed. We gazed beyond the piles of hair in the plaster garden, finding a proliferation of artificial light. A secret geisha was now somehow among us, an unknown person deeply engaged in what the granular photo can reveal. So you composed the various fragmented prefectures into a giant emotive dome of condolence, a landmark for what still floats, or what is fortuitously permitted within the, within the shifting radius sweep of the season. In the dream, the fascist counts the open graves. One, two, three, four but it is useless. In the hall of his hotel, there are, strangely enough, sounds of a barber. Later, over his motionless hand, a moth fans its wings. In one and the same movement, the past had eaten their names, and the morning curled up into a large, motionless spider, its swollen eggs heaped up on the oriental rug. Within them, shadows of tiny bodies leaning soundlessly toward dispersal. You said that a haiku is a tiny stone scarred with fossils, that in its concave space there are floating contrails, a secret epicenter, and an excited accumulation of atoms. In the museum of infinitesimal brushstrokes, a skull cradled in the arms of its inanimate bones is gently bowing to an, to an unnameable Buddha who sits on a beautiful pillow amidst the ruins. 
he is about to inscribe into the black lacquer of memory, a poem only to be grasped and not to speak, as its sentimental but esculent words are like seeds in the form of a tenuous canoe, or like, or like scattered trilobites drunk with the future. This is the last section. Thank you guys for listening. Your writing is mere dust in the urn of representation, black calligraphy that only becomes clear against a black page. If only we could be traveling beyond the incomplete rendezvous of division and cohesion rather than be drifting within it, then we might simultaneously light the edge of the paper and carry its warmth before the ring of the ceremony comes undone. The body, now offered, is on the table. That profound space for gaudy vacillation, for awkward meetings, for remote nutrivity and visual interplay, for the pure instance in which tea takes on the perfect form of its teapot. Language is a wandering tributary. How to describe the simple happiness that is to fish in its thick and irreducible ink, to look at as in a magical elixir its apprehended elements, a foreign word, fragmented sentences of guarded speech, in an embarrassing utterance, filaments of what was written, and here and there, a shimmer of the signifier. Though your lexicon always has to find relief and so be consumed in cremation, the fire's kabuki-like rarity appears to sheath it as the moon is enveloped and figuratively cleansed by the endless arms of space. To be a poet is to open bent an undated mail, not addressed to you. What is the poem but a cupping and then scattering of grass, the somewhat amateurish breaking and flowering of emptiness? For writing is precisely the act which unites the weightless things of the universe with the simple cut of the blade. Thank you very much. Uh, last time I was here, I was a teenager, and um, I was, I remember I, I didn't even come into the church, but I sat outside and tried to impress some older American poets by pretending that I could smoke. And um, I'm going to try and do something similar now, um, pretend that I know what this is. I don't really know what it is. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Simone, for inviting me and for that introduction, which I thought was really good. Um, definitely touched on the nerves of that poem. Um, this is, I don't know what this is because uh, I just wrote it, but also because it's, it's not really a poem. It's four pieces of writing um, by me, uh, three of which have been published already as parts of other poems. Um, Stress Position, uh, The Proxy and Humanity of Forklifts, and OTTL 61P5. And then there's a longer bit at the start. And I had all sorts of complicated ways in mind that I intended to use to persuade you of the coherence of this. Uh, conception of putting these things together, but really I, I don't think it is very coherent. It's a kind of text which has been uh, dismembered and then uh, recombined and rearticulated into a state of um, disintegrity. I don't really know what it is, but I hope that it will resemble something like um, a musical partita and its four movements uh, and organized like a partita is organized, I hope. 
And uh, because she's here, in gratitude for all of our conversations about musical form, which have been really helpful and illuminating for me, I want to dedicate the reading to Marjorie Wellish. I'm going to call this combination tonight Sinking Feeling. Dear secret object, I made a swing for you at last, lying awake in pieces, a cantilever strewn with fur, implicit as brain fluid, as though once I had to have been redistributed in a system of tranches, a network of trays, or to have this flotilla of levels so that the icon that would be dipped in and out of you as I push you and you fly around in a spiral could be of girders sensitively decomposed into the relic of a helix, eyes in a cup suspended in the equivalent of space that, if you like, is split into one half becoming nothing, the other half becoming this room we are in, where I was at work at the usual place and there's some kind of event going on, like a festival or celebration of some kind, and people, or what represented people, or the bodies of people, had come to be there from around the country. The atmosphere was bright with swerves of levity and cheer. People make an effort to dress up. That woman who used to work here on a part-time contract several years back, Haifa, she was there wearing water, and she seemed high on the occasion, and she said, I have asthma, ich habe asthma, j'ai de l'asthma. I was moved on past an office whose door was wide open and Though I did, I tried to look as though I was not looking in, but just happening to be resting my teeth on the illegible crest cut into the cantilever filled for that second with exquisite cubic zirconia, filed down to spell out the distress signal, dear secret object, you will never give. I could not look, and then I saw Lazarus inside. She had shaved her head. The hair already gone was also somehow infinitely coming away in clumps. Someone from the department was hosting her, so I hurried past this open door because I didn't want to speak to her or to be tied up in dialogue with whatever represented her through her getting to say to everyone that I was there, though I knew that it was likely that she would know. I went into a wide, time-wise you could say, but can I help you with that? Can I get that for you, prodigal in distance, ice to split or ring? Time was, you could say, but can I get help you with that? Can I get that for you, prodigal in distance, ice to split or ring? I went into a wide open space that was neither inside nor outside, neither a room nor the world beyond or outside a room, but like a kind of flight deck or the top of a high building. From as far as you could hurl your medals, the only voice boomed back, I need more of this medication. Ich brauche mehr von dieser Medikamente. J'ai besoin de plus de ces médicaments. In front of this part of me, there is an expanse of space, a distance whose only wish is to be stretched indistinctly toward what may look like a beach or a coast of pale gold sand, misty and glittering, though I could not see any water. Juwairia, or Juwairia in Kute Karanda states her truth to the twisted reed. I was bitten. Ich wurde gebissen. Je ete mordu. And now I am drowning. Behind me, now I find a way to turn again to look, was a stack of what previously could have represented pallets from a warehouse, or else some kind of school physical education equipment, such as towers of mats that would keep in a school gym and be pulled out to cover up the hard floor during gymnastics classes. Like the people come dressed as irritant floaters, impossible to scratch out of your eyes, bouncing about the world as briefly hot as squash balls. These mats, or pallets, too, were indistinct, though not in the way calculated to exaggerate your curiosity to know why or what they were there or who they were. 
Later I saw protonation states talked into cranial prostheses, now deactivating yearning for what makes you deep or true. Protonation states talked into cranial prostheses, now deactivating yearning for what makes you deep or true, a man and a woman. Actionable sex veined with obsidian and scaffolds of elastic rotted out and Vukovarska Sriamska. Actionable sex veined with obsidian and scaffolds of elastic rotted out in Vukovarska Sriamska. Later, I saw a young couple, a man and a woman, in what represented their 20s, walk together, hand in hand, past the swing I made for you, dear secret object, over to behind these towers of warehouse pallets or folding gymnastics mats, in effect, advertising their intention of having, uh, locating a secluded spot in my rear in which to have deliberate sex. To left and right, the space concluded in the usual walls, but they're not close to me. I have no feelings about the fucking walls. I even thought I could not give a fuck if they are there. There was a desk that you cannot get in, since the entrance is the obstacle itself, is what it means for life to end at emptiness. That you cannot get in, since the entrance is the obstacle itself, is what it means for life to end at emptiness, despite the space. Then to move it through a doorway blocked up with evacuated footholds now laid flat for sliding under you. Get in. Then to move it through a doorway blocked up with evacuated footholds now laid flat for sliding under you, get in. There was a desk or table here in what, despite this space, from which closeness had all been torn out but was still somehow infinitely streaming away, was still there to play act the middle of the room. And when I am standing at this desk in the middle of the room in silence, repeating, the pain started here and goes to here. Der Schmerz wandert von hier nach I felt irritable, under a stupid pressure, weighted down, as even you, dear secret object, might feel too if you had some pressing work to complete that made you forget yourself, but the environment is too incidental to permit it to be completely done, which is true, because this space is not enclosed enough. It is not close enough. This space is not close enough to feel like a real office or other bounded workspace of production in which a purpose like ours could be identified and the potentiality slumbering in the breast of man activated so that the play of natural forces could be subjected to the sway of his own power, but also because people keep coming in and out and lying around on the floor and sitting at other tables and talking. And one of them, one of these people, or what represented one of these people, was pushing his toe into my asshole, which was really frustrating to me because I felt that this space that, for what unfathomable reason I cannot tell, was not able to be enclosed and in which, therefore, my purpose in being in it could not be expressed, was nonetheless my space. It is my space. If not because it was dedicated to me or for my purpose or because I positively own it, then just because I need it more or because I have a use for it that is the most urgent or because I am crying. Though I think also I can sense that somewhere inside me what preserved the shape of my private interior in that space without closeness in it, where no object is close to any other object, I may not have cared and that I was just acting up for you, dear secret object. A drowned body, for whose surface bodies perforate determines what limb will be saved and what with poignancy piled on the rest in peace. For whose surface bodies perforate determines what limb will be saved and what with poignancy piled on the rest in peace. Sitting in a low position. It is immaterial so long that only alternately crystalline and deliquescent words cut into it. It is immaterial so long that only alternately crystalline and deliquescent words cut into it another table. As the Tuareg leave, you get this practical sensation unrelated to the scorched umbilicus you say is squid. As the Tuareg leave, you get this practical sensation unrelated to the scorched umbilicus you say is squid. A drowned body was there. 
sitting in a low position at another table, cross-legged on the floor, as people who are still alive used to sit when eating at an authentic Japanese restaurant by the harbor in Nagasaki. The body was distraught, and it wanted to say why this was so, but also it was trying to avoid talking about it in the way that the drowned do, as though it could only ever be tiresome and obnoxious to be dragged into yet another dialogue that might risk disturbing a surface of emotion, always only now, just at last, ironed flat and placated like a baby who was a nightmare to get to sleep, and then not only because there were other people or bodies representing other people that narrowed in the usual way into an anonymous background to our potential but obstructed intimacy, lying around on the floor, fucking about distractingly in the background. One of them was this long loping man on the floor behind me who kept pressing his foot against my ass and sticking his toe into my asshole and lower back, whether quite by chance or else by accident or fate, I could not tell, but anyhow, over and over again, saying, it hurts here. Here, tout est fait, j'ai mal ici, until I turned round and snapped him into a pyramid of goat, heroin, wind and rain, flush with the relief that always comes to me with consciousness of my status and power, and grieved to think that he could be here in this space at all, this drowned. Then the output was not drowned in complex numbers, simulating proxies for adjustment to prop up reality. Then the output was not drowned in complex numbers, simulating proxies for adjustment to prop up reality, body intimated since evading shipwreck to be mauled with water cannon at the border of Bacondi's Hungary is not for you. Since evading shipwreck to be mauled with water cannon at the border of Bacondi's Hungary is not for you, dying of an incurable. Not but that when later stung or touched into the gulf upon your back in any time reserved against its warped WO2 tarpaulin scored, zero in 12103142A3, a trachea that is now hyperventilating. This drowned body intimated to me that an ex-partner of his was dying of an incurable disease and that he had just heard that things had got much worse for her. I sympathized with him admirably and I tried to encourage him to speak only if he would like to, but he had a mouthful of water and he seemed obstinately determined to be incapable of saying anything that got past the wisecracks and pleasantries. Then suddenly, you were there. You were wearing lateral to now exfoliated implants, how else be discrepant, pumped up to the empty but erotic word? Lateral to now exfoliated implants, how else be discrepant, pumped up to the empty but erotic word? You were wearing a black cotton top and dark jeans. We are very close. In the space, we are the only thing that is close. We were scratched into the window whose impediment of glass now gripped interior, now flexed a cracking too fast to expel. Scratched into the window whose impediment of glass now gripped interior, now flexed a cracking too fast to expel. We were standing in an embrace. But at the same time, I was different, disembodied. I could look on myself from a distance. And from that point, I could see only you, not myself, despite how I had intended to pay myself a visit. I wanted to pay a visit to myself, though I knew that in reality, you are not alone. You are not alone. You too are on a visit to yourself, however far, and that I am there too. The coast, representing the distance at the front, grew intensely bright and lustrous as we held each other and filled the space with golden yellow light. It really felt as though the room itself was surging and billowing, or disintegrating and reforming, a balloon full of water. But at the same time, what was apocalyptic about this seemed to mean us no terror. It did not ask us to fear what it would mean to come to an end or be split apart. We talked about how it was going to be possible for us to be married at last. We want to feel valid. 
We want it to be simple. We want to be so simple that even people who could watch the 2015 GOP debates at the Cause Event Center in Colorado could understand us without slitting each other's jugular veins and carotid arteries with sponges full of caramelized phlegm like the butchers of Deir al-Zur. We seemed to know that this was going to happen. And we spoke about it as though it had always been a plan, but things from outside the room have prevented it from being fulfilled. In particular, true, we're not returning to what after all is not the only future more annihilating to be torn out of. True, we're not returning to what after all is not the only future more annihilating to be torn out of. In particular, we were worried about how to tell each other that we had always known that we would do this. Once the time had actually arrived, there was a sense that the realization of a life that had been expected for us, that we do deserve to be able to live, was always bound to be difficult and painful, and we didn't know how to get there or where it was. And when our present reality contained so many distracting complications and other people or bodies representing other people and other feet or bodies representing other feet and other assholes or bodies representing other assholes and perhaps other people or the bodies representing them or the thought of those bodies and their representations is part of what distance itself could be made to mean right here, where bits of distance in the raw can be picked up everywhere, sprinkled on your tongue, twisted between the fingers like a reed, let fall from the fist like soap bubbles, or made to protrude in a horizontal bar from a vertical stay, where nothing feels close enough, where nothing can be closed, and yet where nothing was without an end or unbound either, where people can wander about, exchanging good ideas like, I fell from a height, ich bin abgestürzt, je suis tombé d'une certaine hauteur, and now I am drowning. But where the limits in both directions seem inescapably symbolic, the one an inescapably transparent symbol of a childhood represented in stacked folding equipment for the safety of the child body during its obligation to be regimented in institutional exercise, equipment that begins and concludes the scheduled recreation of the child body by being taken out and put away in stacks, taken out and put away in stacks, as well as... At the same time, an inescapably transparent symbol of an adolescent spent wading under and among warehouse pallets that facilitate the storage of what lies in wait for us, ready to be taken out and packaged and sold, taken out and packaged and sold once somebody wants it, but what until the moment that somebody really does want it, someone actually wants it, supposing anyone ever really does want it, must remain a stock of commodities in aspic or paralysis outside the circuits of valorization, beyond even a limit case of the pathetic fallacy that we can identify, such as a cloud in the shake of pharmacanese or the Syrian bodies washed up there, and the other, the limit in front, an inescapably transparent symbol of paradise and death at once, the unknown shore rigged up as a garishly explicit fresco of what it cannot hurt to call meaning, and yet breathtaking still, and of a gravity that overwhelms the space of our existence, throwing out the interior floor and air like dislocated shoulders for you, dear secret object who are at once its agony and its anesthesis, unbreathable as meaning and the kiss of life itself. That you cannot get in since the entrance is the obstacle itself is what it means for once to end at emptiness. Then to move it through a doorway blocked up with evacuated footholds now laid flat for sliding under you, get in. Then at either side the walls too indistinct to mean anything will be symbolic enough except through being made to keep their distance, which is our distance too or to have any role in what is the meaning of their dissipation, except by being later cast as its periphery, drowned out in the surging, irritation, bodies in the way, transparency and representations of transparency, reticence and gravity as though in their reality there were no other movement or anybody left or only one.
One shot at the end to find the one who shut my head on love. Begun in one tongue first, single atom by single atom, to take eternity. Two, off work after an incident. Three, known as life, suspected to be it beneath a forklift. Sick at last of which, if this is the analysis, is cast into a can. Four, a tin. If we release it, one into the loss of nerve to find the thing who sings its teeth. The head they split in one, meted out, atom by atom, out. Five, a one tin wrapped in sheets of can shattered glass, blew around like candied me or you. Six, in a one can. I'm sick of this incident. Seven, sit beneath it. I said that thing. I am lost. Eight, I am bugged. Nine, if one, a tin to make right noises in, nor be them, state them, eat them, feed them, be them, state them, eat them, feed them. Ten, not just one, as they are, not for nothing. Eleven, or being them, have them. Two, the things, organized in sexual rings. They had out in a can, if I made up my difference, even to death, by the single thing. One, in fancy dresses, the cross-section of a human molecule, scrawled on bright wax crayon, on torn ad section with fire, also scored on it later, deleted in. One, twelve, a can. So long as if the death in me is impossible to put out and to get out to me, thirteen point six ent with forklift, no, stop, point, 14.1 if a tin, but I ain't 15 point for object one, 15.6 in principle, if 15.7 in principle, don't look one point one as how my point was already whatever it was for so long as I was one thing there at one life to remember it being but what it was in that case, the point of that being different from nothing, 16.3 I am out 17.8, 18, 18 91 if uneaten 20 if left not fucked enough, 20 if left not wanted enough, 1.48 if I can, on see that denied, me being I am fucked enough, 22.14 if on account of my changed point 23.5 and 1 a tin the point of change, in the image that is now, got out one sieve, ironed flat is pressed on one is one fet traded to what other traded to one other traded to tongue slipped through it like water to wash up in water to wash up in water in sparkling glue like water to wash up in water to wash up in water in sparkling glue to the thing in deep 4.83 the whole thing shut teeth first minus melting a can and if I do it then 25.27 as I do it now lost that a can in time for nothing to tin if now as I do now and one as I now, read this 26.6, nothing, I do it now and am the same, just as passionate. 27.7, nothing, I do it now and am as good at not dreaming. 28.8, nothing, nothing. One, I do it now or am yet more than good at not dreaming at it. 29.9, nothing, one, I do it now or am yet more than good at it. 30 point, nothing, nothing, one, one, I do it now. A tin or am yet more than more good at it than 30 am one point not nothing to it. I do it now a melting tin or I'm yet more than yet more than good at not dreaming 32 point nothing nothing three I do a melting can one tin or get at more than not dreaming 33 point nothing but not nothing for I do a tin melting or good at yet more than it's dreaming 34 point nothing not nothing five I do with a melting tin the one holding your forever more lost face in my hands with your forever more lost forever mouth of open forever, if held open, 30, by me, 5 point nothing, not nothing, not 6, do it, and gasping, 31.6, not nothing, not nothing, not 7, I do it wanting to come in, I'm wanting to come in, 7, swerving down the hill on the trick nuts, 1, wanting 1, if not desperate to be, 8 in me, a tin will eat you, nothing to be in me, drag me around the cell, the mall, the security wall, the perimeter of Alsatian stress ball, 10, the point to 10 in, 10 point, liberated into a melting can, 139.9, a tin, point I, nothing rip up as a point if I like nothing I open to infinity eyelids first one then forever the first you must back me as this into nothing else but a reason for love to survive yet inside a can locked to its burnt mouth pointing open to infinity I start with the superimposition of a gimmick on the Nasdaq HQ panic bolts screwed in the fire door Pathema Verite then stop yes the first metaphor shines internal communication a flickering eyelid says, I am your concession to invisibility. 
Stress position, the irreversibility canto. The foot is locked in, the riveting other cheek is detained in the gastrointestinal tract. Grace of circulation in a flesh of blocked out fire. Grace of circulation in a flesh of blocked out fire. You can't put teeth marks in a quasi shin. Unidentified butterflies fall on the motorway, scraping by like anorexic tendons. Alligator clips on lactose. An easy life on hard drugs. Fuck with your head, make voting look like knees on a shattered mirror. But so what? Who gives a fuck about butterflies? White-baked plastic ether, waving their backstage pass about, priced out of your mind, saving the honorable, inimitable general anti-thrust plate. Saving the honorable, inimitable general anti-thrust plate. What goes on in your head? or up but won't come down, I walk into that bathroom a child and come out a black pyramid. I reek of extorted ejaculate, care of Cheney and Rumsfeld ink, trinken and trinken, why root out sensation in that blank? So fuck the linguistically innovative strippogrammatology and its catcalls at inauthenticity, airing and drowning in equal parts, abandoning the ESX dinar to the jaws of Auerbach Grayson. Abandoning the ESX dinar to the jaws of Auerbach Grayson. Because the first metaphor is the deepest, for here it simply is. But there is something deeper yet, formed into a skin above, the string of plundered Afghan ears to stand in for the past, where the simplicity of the first word in a flash is proxy to the last, whose percolated lightning stays burnt in. Who you are is relevant or not is irrelevant. Nobody has to bear it or live as though it could be theirs to bear forevermore. Or live as though it could be theirs to bear forevermore. La guerre a donc perdu son charme, quand son utilité. But the rules changed. Cosmeceutical disambiguation is death to stubborn expression lines, to unwarranted pigmentation, the antioxidants that scourge their symbols to the brink. Cage and cage code 31 FPI for tender submissions. Going in, I saw how to come back, turning, unable to cling to Philomel high on fire in a nest of empty shells. To Philomel high on fire in a nest of empty shells. She acts up like an emasculated emu who will not screw the sky back onto the bereft dorsal fin in the dream of falling. EHC gives KBR the feed contract. The KBR CEO at last gets shot of the Nigeria migraine. Vivendum est illic ubi nulla. TSKJ teams up with N LNG on the gas chilling. Nachfolger replaces ersatz. 10 million man hours without a lost time incident. 10 million man hours without a lost time incident. The mass of the people heard its iron stamp. But why go on the show in the first place if you're so bothered by the invasion of privacy? Too good for an obscure life? Breaking mitigates belonging, which mitigates fantasy, which comes in universal credit pink and gray, recycling commons and peopling air. Why grope about screaming for a way out from that? If you listen forever, the exit is, is extinguished one day at a time. Forever the exit is extinguished one day at a time. Count them down. The logic is an inner souvenir, like the mouthfeel of democracy in 2003. The foot on the far pedal accelerates the coda. Jump the line, scrambling out of epic sanity to find a way. Lucas, what do you call the moon? Hakagawa, the apparition of these faces, voided in compliance with my image. Dot, grow back. Do not waste the pressure this distortion still relieves. Do not waste the pressure this distortion still relieves. Nine days in, and as yet, the confession hasn't torn out my mask. The natives are getting derivative. Nothing will escape them. They adjust to it as circles adjust to reform into the major arc in a minor key. Sentences become shorter, pick up a commuted tone. Back of the wainscot of regular friable ocean, pure thoughts on fuzzy felt. I want to get to a point where I don't have to do this all again from the beginning when I die. I don't have to do this all again from the beginning when I die. 
that moment during a joke when you're pretending to be serious and silent before you burst out in preemptive laughter. It's a social life. Get one. Passion is downsized into a clevis pin for epigrams. To air is human. To forgive beyond the reach of art. The echoing clock, the thunder, beating the glass, the howling wind, and, creepiest of all, the sound of steps coming slowly up the creaking stairs. And to end, you become in secret my original accumulation of what you are forever lost for. Mine gets hard in my mouth. I will die if I cut it out. You are mine and become in the open my prodigal frittering of what you are left for. What I am is narrow, left, gems to glue and shun in iron, to flurry on the air, now breathed on very far away, but not your genitals or eyes, both shining in the same way from joy as you shut and shape me to infinity, O oh love, I am forever not yet dying, this is my secret. I am the reason that is always left to say, the torment which is its necessity. Mine means that impossible clinging on. Men of Athens... In all things fiscal, you shall henceforth be too superstitious. What you are now is not lost, but forever reshelved. The workers, boo, who said what? See now that I, I am he. The memories that run ahead pronounce the prospect dead. You see that now. Behind whose cyst, a sycophantic skeleton shoves love up an inarticulate cretin. Count me up and down, gently too rapid. The dark is on secondment in our flesh, burning at the limit of our light. Where the object revolves in the way on the road, the elastic snaps to drop the subject. Bouncing to the central reservation is a scream. You hear it. Eh. Hearing, ink in, since the frame is loose, it buzzes, which is so grating on the ear, stitched up on rebooted muses, auscultated away in fear. There is no room alive inside my life for shit or milk to fill, but what you sabotage or hide in dreams, replied the windowsill. However, that may be, bullshit, not being maternal is free, flowing away to our credit jurisdiction of secrecy. As in reality you trust, the flea clause paradis fiscal inserts to make the children lust infinitely to age et al. But the US Treasury blocks the Libyan 30 billion, liberating the flesh from shocks to profit in palliation. So that there are both stops and starts computed again and again in homage to the sister arts of universal love and pain. Marx said that the Greeks were normal children, but not that you can eat their fingers or love everything in the wrong way or patently rip off their infinity. Your infinity is the irreversible backlash Burnt milk can't be sucked too hard. Cold milk won't go down. But the rest, that will be forever. The final cut, ultimate budget, deceptively simple twists on the similes of eschatology, checkouts, etc. The last page of Aeschylus. Aslan's come. TL61P, a giant asshole with fire extinguishers for teeth. I fly from fads in attitude to my eternal gratitude. Tregel's kartoffel blot, human to the end. You are a dead end, the Danny Boy incident. Bid for dreams by stretching is natural. Cleaning your teeth is moral too. Blinded by the bright idea you have to see your living through. In battered cod, the probing tongue is flattered at the oiled bone. What effort to survive beyond the filleting for me? It's the same with Palestinian corpses on BBC News. 
don't worry too much if you don't get absolutely all the off the when you first start. The idea at the beginning is just to get some. You started it. Increasings as the screenings multiply. What's your fucking problem? In the future, that we do not know yet. The phantoms will be harnessed, made to slam the freezer door, which expertly connected to a dynamo concealed inside the fridge below will cause to rupture in a glow the infinite equivalent energy of a world unborn measured in the potential of future Siberian oil, justifying the Japanese. Two, bidding for dreams is this natural. Your teeth is moral too. Think errors in scanning. Under the, that head of the pillow of labor is bloody. Bright idea. Squint at the national drug code sequestered in the universal product code. Nations of the mind retail the higher purposes of purchase. This. Zero compressed symbology. Ash in cod. Necrotic. Everything. That isn't on fire but rips. The imperial edition of the EAN. Thrown off for the screen. This the meaning implies and multiplies into the dreamy dark. Exchanged via a GS1 ecom message into the that future that we do not know the ghost is made to swing at all. But a mere GS1 EPC tag for global individual asset identifier. This, the freezer door, which expertly connected to a dynamo life on Upsi, concealed inside the fridge below, that will cause the infinite, licking Lyra's ragged guard bar, the energy this of a thousand suns, measured in spitting milk, Polaris strung out over Troy, Ohio. Bidding for natural errors under the UPC, nations of the mind, higher purchase, zero compressed, ash in cod, isn't on fire but rips the EAN for the screen in the dark exchange, GS1 ecom message. In the future, we know is made to swing a GS1 EPC tag for global individual asset identifier. This is the freezer door, obviously expertly concealed below the infinite Laura's sheer drop. Thanks. The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.